What is up, Florida? We are live from Studio 67, and it is another great edition of Happy Hour with the Analyst. Uh, my name is Jared Grigas. Uh, I'm here with Shiloh McPherson. Shiloh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. No complaints since it's happy hour. Glad to hear it. And uh, up in our nation's capital, we have got our resident Beltway correspondent. It is Sarah Hanley. Sarah, how are you doing today? Hey, Jared. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you. And uh, we have got a very special non-analyst guest today, a little blast from the past. It is Bob McKee. Bob, how are you doing this morning? All right. Uh, I think it's afternoon, but I'm not sure it really matters. Close enough. <laughs> We're happy to have you, Bob. Thank you. We have got a, a good show today. Uh, we're going to be discussing the most recent special session. It is special session D uh, for this uh, legislative cycle. Uh, but first, we are going to kick things off with our question of the week. Sarah, would you like to do the honors? I will do the honors. Thank you, Jared. So with Memorial Day weekend coming up, lots of traveling happening, I want to know what state would you visit that you haven't already visited yet? We'll kick it off with Shiloh on this one. All right. Recently, I have been wanting to visit Arizona. I heard it's very nice outside, a lot of good trails, um, a lot of good nature. So I'm going to have to go with Arizona. Yes. It's awesome out there. Can confirm. <laughs> All right. What about you, Bob? What state would you visit? In Arizona, although I was only a, uh, driving through a corner as I was on my way to Utah, um, there's a, most of the states that I haven't been to yet are in the Northwest, or, of course, the great state of Hawaii, our 50th state, would probably be the state, with the exception that the state I'd really like to be in is the state of Euphoria. A classic Bobism. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't even think about Hawaii and Alaska. Those are probably our two most unique states. All right, Jared, kicking it off to you. What would you say? Well, I have already been to Alaska, uh, but unfortunately it was when I was a lot younger, so I I probably didn't appreciate it uh, as much as I would now. So I'd love to go back there. As far as places I have not been, uh, I would love to get out to Montana, do some hiking, some horseback riding, uh, maybe see a grizzly bear. Nice. Lucky for you, Jared, I'm going to Montana in two weeks, so I'll let you know. Ooh, ah. Uh. Like. <laughs> I'll let you know what it's like out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll but... be living vicariously. Sarah, are you staying in a tiny home? I'm not staying in a tiny home. <laughs> All bad. On One fun fact about Montana is it's actually extremely expensive out there. I was surprised. Huh. Didn't know. Yeah. Hotels are crazy. So is, is that your state? No, that's not my state. I'm just visiting. So where, where, where are you going, Sarah? Where would you be going? My state would have to be... Washington State. I would love to go to Seattle. I love Vancouver. I think it would have similar vibes. Um, and I love the mix of city and nature. So I think Washington State would have to be. And Starbucks. Love Starbucks. And go ahead, Pike Place. Is yeah. Exactly. The beginning of time for Starbucks. So it'd be very cool to see that. 
I've got family out there, and it is spectacular. Yes, and it's where Twilight is filmed, so. It's a rainforest, a rain Yes, I love the rain, though. And, most importantly, that's where Grey's Anatomy is filmed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, moving on to our main event. Uh, this past week saw yet another special session uh, called by Governor DeSantis. Uh, this special session lasted from Monday to Wednesday. It was supposed to be just an in-and-out job uh, to address the problems in the property insurance market that we have been seeing. Uh, according to the, the proclamation for session uh, by the governor, we have just seen a, a number of concerning characteristics within this market uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, several big insurers have gone insolvent. Uh, the Florida insurance industry as a whole has seen two straight years of, of net underwriting losses of a, a billion dollars. Uh, and what you're, the upshot of that is you're seeing a lot more people scrambling toward uh, citizens' property insurance, which is the state's uh, last resort insurer. Uh, and so the legislature was very keen on uh, kind of turning the tide of, of this uh, and hopefully giving people some recourse uh, with hurricane season coming up. There were a series of bills relating to property insurance uh, that we saw this, this special session. Uh, I think Shiloh can... Uh, Speak a little more to that first bill. Uh, it was Senate Bill 2D uh, regarding property insurance. Yeah, so that bill was definitely one of the largest bills that passed by Senator Boyd. Um, it passed in the Senate 30 to 9 and in the House 95 to 14. And so the bill provides the following changes to address access and affordability of property insurance and to mitigate insurance fraud in Florida's property market. So it creates the RAP program, which is the Reinsurance to Assistant Policyholders Program, to be administered by the State Board of Administration and requiring eligible property insurers to obtain coverage under the program. And so today we have Bob online to kind of just give us a little bit more background and a little bit more information about this bill and any insight that he has. So, Bob, if you want to take the floor. Sure. Thanks, Shiloh. Thanks, all you analysts today. Great job so far. Um, yeah, it was a quick special session. They came in on uh, Monday and gaveled out on Wednesday. Um, there were some, as we talked about 40 in a minute, there were some uh, unexpected events that took place. But looking at two days, the purpose of the bill was designed to try and target some things on the cost side that were driving up insurance rates. And particularly two things really that the bill addressed on heavily. As Charlotte mentioned, there's the RAP program, the rein, um, was it reinsurance assistance program. Yes. Yep. And it's, it's designed to lower the risk to insurers of a hurricane. And so it's, it, it will come into play if a hurricane hits and it will cover some of the um, a proportionate level of losses to the amount that each insurer participates in the RAP program. It put up $2 billion of general revenue. So essentially the state is putting up some GR dollars in the event of a storm um, to, to uh, act as reinsurers to buy down the impact to the, um, to the insurers. Now, when things happen on the cost side, there's an expectation that that will flow through the actuarial models into the rates um, but the impact on rates is less certain. 
So it reduces cost and exposure directly, how it's going to um, impact rates in the short term remains to be seen. It's a two-year program, so what's going to occur after the two years um, remains to be seen. If there are no storms and the $2 billion, no named hurricanes, and or no damage from a hurricane, then the $2 billion would just remain in GR and potentially be available for a similar use in future years, should the legislature decide, decide to do so. Um, another um, part of the bill addressed um, mitigation through, and, and help me here, it was the home. Is it the My Safe Florida Home Program? Yes, the My Safe Florida Home Program. Thank you, Shaw. No problem. And um, that program is targeted to towards mitigation. It provides for um, grants, I believe, up to $10,000 to eligible homeowners to provide for mitigation to reduce their future potential impact from storms, such things as as uh, roof tie down, tie downs if you're older mobile homes, things like that are sort of examples of things that the that the program might provide for that would reduce the future impact of a storm. Um, and those were the major parts of the bills. Anything else you all think I should touch on? I think that more or less covers it, Bob. Uh, so in other words, this is like uh, the RAP program is kind of like insurance for the insurance companies, right? Yeah, the, the, um, there's generally a reinsurance market that um, backs up some of the risk that, um, that the insurers directly underwrite. And so when there's and the reinsurance will come into play when there's bigger losses or other things in place. And so the another series of contracts that with other entities that will um, underlie the, the contracts that they're writing with individual homeowners. And so the cost of reinsurance will drive in part the cost of the original insurance. And so if reinsurance either isn't available or is very expensive, that will drive up the rates. And so um, reducing the potential exposure to hurricanes should reduce the um, reinsurance market cost. One more thing that I should mention, the bill also allowed for a separate roof deductible. And so it allowed for a separate deductible from the general deductible of the policy that would apply specifically to the roof. There were limitations put in place that said that um, it's either 2% of the total coverage or 50% of the cost to replace the roof is the maximum amount of the deductible that could be allowed, and that the deductible does not apply if there's a total loss to the primary structure, if the loss is ca caused by a hurricane, if the loss results from a tree fall, or if the roof loss um, is requires a repair of less than 50% of the roof. So... The roof deductible would come into play specifically if the roof is damaged, but not in one of those um, four manners or methods. And then if the roof deductible applied, no other deductible would apply. And so I think the idea is that someone could have a roof deductible separate and apart from their general deductible that would most likely be a higher deductible, um, but would not come into play in those most, I think, most frequent causes of roof damage, tree falling on it, um, or, uh, or a hurricane. Um, 
wind damage from a hurricane. So I just want to mention that one as well. Yeah, thanks for that update. It's definitely super important to Florida and our residents here. And, and this will go to the homeowner to make a choice. They can decide to not have a separate roof deductible. Um, it would be reflected in the rates, or presumably if they chose to have a higher roof deductible, it would lower their overall rates. But they would have more exposure should there be roof damage um, other than those, uh, those four methods that were mentioned. All right. And I also think it's worth mentioning that the bill also provides emergency rulemaking power pursuant to Florida Statute 120.54 and makes a legislative finding that such emergency rulemaking is necessary in order to address a critical need in a state's problematic property insurance market. So essentially, the legislature also found that the uniquely short time frame needed to effectively implement the section for the 22 to 23 fiscal year requires that the board adopt rules as quickly as possible. And the emergency rules adopted under this section are exempt from Florida statute 120.544C in case anybody wants to go and check that out. And those should remain in effect until replaced by rules adopted under the non-emergency rulemaking procedures of chapter 120. An amendment was also adopted that revises the bill requirement that the Department of Financial Services create reports regarding the history and causes of a property insurer's insolvency. Okay, thank you for that, Shiloh. Very informative. So moving on to our next big bill from this special session, as Bob and Jared have both mentioned, on Tuesday, May 24th, legislation was introduced outside the governor's call by a two-thirds vote of the Senate to address the 2021 Surfside condominium collapse. And remember, during the regular 2022 legislative session, the Surfside bills both failed, HB 7069 by Reps Perez in Toledo and SB 1702 by Senator Bradley. And the reason they failed is because the chambers could not reach an agreement on reserve requirements to be maintained by condominium and cooperative associations to address issues that were identified in these inspections. And so ultimately, since they couldn't reach an agreement on the last day of session, they decided it was very important to them to bring this back up in this special session. Um, it's nearly been a year since the collapse of the condo towers in Miami-Dade County on June 24th. As we know, 98 individuals died. And there's been a lot of calls from the community, the state, and lawmakers to um, require more frequent recertification and safety standards and um, making sure that condo boards are maintaining those buildings. And um, from what I believe, um, right now, Miami-Dade and Broward are the only counties in the state that are currently requiring these recertification inspections. Um, I believe they were every 40 years, or it was required at a 40-year recertification process. So now, um, with this bill that passed, it will be statewide and it will be sooner and more frequently. So the bill basically requires these buildings that are three stories or taller to have milestone inspections by December 31st upon reaching 30 years of age, and then every 10 years after. And for 
condominium and cooperative buildings that are located within three miles of the coastline, those inspections have to be conducted when the building reaches 25 years of age and then every 10 years after. The milestone inspections are going to be required in two phases. The first phase, they must be conducted by a licensed architect or engineer authorized to practice in the state. And then a phase two inspection will be required if substantial structural deterioration is identified during the initial milestone inspection. And these inspection require reports of all the material findings, um, recommendations to be delivered to the condominium associations and local building officials where the building is located. And um, the association must distribute a copy of the report and summary prepared by the engineer or the architect to each unit owner and it must be posted on the association website. The bill also mentions um, and authorizes local enforcement agencies to prescribe timelines and penalties for this compliance. And it even authorizes the Board of County Commissioners to establish by an ordinance timelines for commencing repairs for um, substantial structural deterioration, though later than 365 days after receiving that initial inspection report. Additionally, the bill requires condominiums and cooperatives to conduct structural integrity reserve studies every 10 years for buildings that are three stories or higher in height. These reserve amounts are to be determined by a condominium or cooperative association's most recent structural integrity reserve study effective December 31st, 2024, and members of the association may not vote to waive or defund any of these reserve amounts. And that last right. part is, is a big step, I think, uh, towards you know making sure something like this never happens again. Uh, it's essentially the idea behind it is that uh, condominium and, and co-op associations uh, will be encouraged to develop some sort of, you know, sinking fund that the, the residents pour money into uh, incrementally. Um, and then when it comes time where, uh, you know, repairs are necessary, uh, they can't just, you know, defer that maintenance or say, sorry, can't afford it right now. That uh, They'll have no excuse not to um, address that as, as quickly as possible, given the potentially life-threatening nature of, of you know, building integrity issues. Right, and I just also want to mention that both of the, or SB4D passed unanimously in both the Senate and House, and the sentiment on the floor was really everybody working together bipartisanship to get this done, which is really awesome to see. And SB4D uh, was actually initially not even um, a Surfside bill uh, at all. Um, that was that language was added in an amendment after the fact. Uh, initially, SB4D uh, dealt with building safety, um, mostly regarding roof damage. Um, essentially, under the current Florida Building Code, uh, any building or structure in which 25% or more of the total roof area is damaged or in need of repair or uh, replacement, um, the entire roof must be in compliance with the effective addition of the Florida Building Code. Uh, so in other words, if you have a roof that uh, a third of it is damaged, uh, you cannot replace it unless you replace the entire thing up to code um, based on the most current addition. Uh, now SB4D would amend the Florida Building Code uh, to stipulate that 
only the roof sections being restored uh, must comply with the effective code as long as the rest of the roof is up to date with at least the 2007 Florida Building Code uh, or subsequent additions. Essentially, the rationale behind this is, uh, and they address this in the staff analysis, uh, you were seeing a lot of contractors literally going door to door uh, and asking people to, you know, have their roofs inspected, uh, and the contractor would come in and say, well, more than 25% of it needs replacement. Uh, fortunately, your property insurance will take care of that. Uh, and what was happening was you were seeing a lot of questionable claims uh, for the property insurance co corporations. Uh, and so this is hoping to mitigate that somewhat, wherein only roofs that only roof areas and sections that are actually in need of restoration are, are getting that care. Um, so that's Senate Bill 4D. Well, it definitely sounds like a challenging time to be a homeowner in the state of Florida. Yeah, moving forward, it does seem like a lot of ground was made up uh, as far as addressing some of these issues. Uh, I know that some people, uh, particularly in the Democratic caucus, were hoping for a more aggressive approach, uh, more immediate uh, approach of perhaps a rate freeze or something to that effect, because, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the impacts of some of these policies won't be felt for more than a year, potentially 18 months, uh, per Senator Boyd himself, who was, you know, the sort of the champion of some of these um, measures. But I think it's important to understand on this that uh, it's on the cost side. And then for a number of folks in the marketplace, they've already bought reinsurance. For example, myself, I've already paid my property um, insurance for this year and mine did go up about a third and for the first time is going to exceed uh, my property insurance is going to exceed my property taxes for the first time and um, so that's an interesting situation but I, but we have to remember there's a number of things if they've already bought reinsurance for this year the insurer they're not going to be able to access the, the wrap program until next year they're required to do it but they have to do it either for 22-23 or 23-24. And so for anyone who doesn't access that wrap until 23-24, there's not really the, op the same opportunity to provide relief immediately. I think that's some of what's creating the expectation for the 18-month period. Gotcha. Thanks, Bob. Uh, well, hopefully we do see some, uh, you know, really positive movement in that next uh, rate-setting cycle. We can be helpful. Shifting gears once again, it is once again time for our County of the Week. Uh, I'm going to let Shiloh handle this one. Shiloh, which county are we, are we shouting out this week? All right. Thanks, Jared. This week we have Alachua County. So Alachua County was recently named as the Stepping Up Innovator County. And for, you, um, for those of you that do not know what the Stepping Up Innovator County is, just to give you some background, the Stepping Up Initiative was launched in 2015 as a partnership between the Council of State Governments Justice Center, the National Association of Counties, and the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. And so this initiative was essentially created to provide counties with resources and tools to create effective, comprehensive, and cross-system changes within the mental, um, mental health, mental illnesses, and substance use disorders um, arena and local justice systems. So, since then, hundreds of counties have joined this national movement, zeroing in on jail-based metrics that reflect the impact of their community's efforts. So Alachua County has done just that. And so they were named actually as one of 38 in the nation. So super cool. We are very proud of Alachua County. Very exclusive. I know, right? 
And so Lacho County will now, um, as this innovator county, um, they're going to be able to share their experiences and their expertise in helping um, other counties across the nation to collect accurate and accessible data on the number of people with mental illnesses in jails, and also just share a little bit more about their grants that they had been working on for a very long time and the efforts that they have been working in to protect um, people in their local community. So shout out to Electric County. This uh, stepping up program has been something that uh, myself and Shiloh and Sarah have been monitoring pretty closely. Uh, so it's very cool to see, you know, one of our own uh, kind of serving as the model for the rest of our state. Uh, so Alachua County, we cheers to you. All right. And now since we finished with our shout out, we're going to go ahead and go to our announcements. Sarah, what do we have going on in the next couple of weeks? Thank you, Shiloh. I'm happy to announce that as of right now, we don't have any new special sessions, so stay tuned this summer. And of course, we have our 2022 annual conference and educational exposition going on in the beautiful Orange County at the Hyatt Regency Orlando on June 28th through July 1st. And as we've mentioned, we've got a lot going on at that conference. We have Jim Cantori is going to be there. We have Many workshops lined up in the broadband cybersecurity arena. We have an opioid workshop going on and lots of other things to look forward to there. So we will hopefully see not to all mention in, karaoke, not to mention karaoke. And we may even have a very special Studio 67 on the road. So we look forward to speaking to you guys in person there. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, we are, we are certainly hoping to see all you guys there. Uh, that will do it uh, for yet another edition of Happy Hour with the Analysts. Sarah, would you like to do the honors? Hello. Remember, every hour is Analyst Hour. See you, Florida.